WDBM East Lansing. The Impact. And now, Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Good evening and welcome to Exposure on WDBM Impact 89FM. I'm your host, Stephen Rich. This week, new and old students started school back on campus. So to celebrate the new semester here at the Impact, we decided to put a, a welcome back show together. Tonight, we'll be hearing from the president of the Spartan Marching Band, the president of the Associated Students of MSU, and much, much more. This is Exposure. Again, I'm Stephen Rich, and this is Impact 89FM. You're listening to Exposure. With the beginning of the fall semester comes the return of Spartan football, and any game would not be complete without our own Spartan marching band. I sat down with the band president, Becky Buran, to discuss this upcoming season. I am a fifth-year senior at the university. I am a double major in accounting and social relations and policy. Uh, I got started with the Spartan Marching Band my freshman year here, so this is my fifth year in the band. Mm -hmm. So you started right out of high school. You knew you wanted to be in the Spartan Marching Band. I did. My mom was in the band. My cousin was in the band. It's a family thing. Uh, I knew from, like, middle school that I wanted to march Oh, that's great. (laughs) That's really cool. And um, one of my first questions when I was thinking about the band itself, obviously you are not a music major. Are most people in the band music majors, or is this just, like, a passion that everyone has and it's not necessarily going to be a career for them. Yeah, not really. Um, there are definitely music majors in the band, but probably not more than 10 to 15 percent. Wow. Um, most of the band is outside of the College of Music and their majors. Oh, very cool. Did not know that. And so as president as president of the marching band, what is your personal responsibilities? I'm sure you have a lot, but just kind of generally. Um, my big responsibility is during our preseason camp or band camp uh, the week before school starts, It's my job with the vice president and the drum majors to train the freshman class to Mm -hmm. get them caught up to where all the veterans are, um, get them learning our march to the stadium and all the proper tools they need to be a full member of the band. Once the school year starts, I organize gigs. So if you see us around in in little groups on game days, you know, playing at tailgates or, you know, different events, uh, I organize those too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff as for the president? Definitely. Um, and so football season is coming up, which is a big, the big deal for you guys, the biggest part of the season. So you mentioned you guys start with band camp. When does prepping for the new season uh, actually begin? Uh, well, it actually begins in the spring. We have all of our section leaders are elected um, at the end of every season, section leaders and squad leaders. So in the spring, um, all the incoming section leaders will meet with our director, uh, Mr. Madden, and we will just go over goals, uh, how we thought last season went, what we want to focus on this season, and over the summer, we plan our shows, and there's student participation in that. And the hard work really begins the week before school starts. Uh, we all come in up to school a week early and start drilling. Mm-hmm. So that's when the freshmen are coming to school, too, in the, in the band. They're coming in a week early? Yep. They... So you guys do all your, all your like, big everyone prep in a week? Yeah, basically. Wow. <laughs> that is really surprising. I thought you guys were here for months, but no, it's just <laughs> one week. So then you must be practicing a lot every single day once you guys get here. How much, how much time do you think you put in every day? Uh, at least 12 hours. It's usually um, the drum line will get here uh, the Saturday before everyone moves in. 
And they all start eight in the morning, go till eight or nine at oh night. And we usually start around eight thirty every day. And then freshmen uh, have freshman orientation, which mm-hmm. is learning our march to the stadium and learning band tradition and history from nine to eleven every night. Do you guys ever like quiz them on any of that kind of stuff? Uh, not really. It's more informational. We hope they absorb it, mm-hmm. and then by you know the end of the year, and as they start to move up in the band, they'll uh, process it more. Gotcha. And throughout the year, you guys put on a couple different shows at the actual games. How many would you say in a year you put on? Is it a new one every single game, or? Yeah, we do oh. a different a different halftime show every home game, and then if we go play at an away game, this year we're playing at Purdue, mm-hmm. we'll just take a show that we did at Spartan Stadium the week before and take that down to West Lafayette. So the, the away and the bye weeks are kind of your guys' break then, not yeah. working on a new show? Are you? So does that mean like every single week you're tr- probably working on a new show, or do you actually have a break on these off weeks? It depends on the schedule this year. The football schedule is really nice. We have exactly two weeks to mm-hmm. work on every show, so we're not as crunched for time as we, we are sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm assuming, you know, in past years, you've had that big crunch. Have you ever, like, not felt ready for a show, you personally? or (laughs) Definitely, especially my freshman year. If we had a one-week show where we started learning it on Monday, had to perform it on Saturday, it's a little tough to get used to the style and and the quick pace. Yeah. But, you know, Mr. Madden won't let us put anything on the field that isn't absolutely ready, so he really makes sure that we're focused and and working and putting in the time outside of class. Mm Mm-hmm. So obviously you only have one show prepped right now, but I think you were saying earlier you, you uh, prepare all the different ones you want to do in the spring. Is that correct? Yeah. So is there any this year that you're really excited to start working on? I am really excited for um, our second show for mm. the Eastern Michigan game. It's called Outlaw Heroes. Mm. We're going to play some Pirates of the Caribbean, some Robin Hood, um, some pretty epic music. So I think that's going to be really cool. That's great. And so let's just kind of uh, back up again, kind of like walk us through a, a football game day for you. When, when are you getting up? What does the prep look like for when do you start getting nervous? I mean, <laughs> what is that day like? Well, I start getting nervous the night before because I'm a squad <laughs> leader. So I'm responsible for three other people in the band to make sure they get there on time. They've got everything ready. So uh, my game day begins probably, if we're talking about a noon game, Mm -hmm. uh, probably begins around 6. I'll get up, call my squad members, say, hey, are you awake? Are you showered? Are you getting ready? We have rehearsal. I probably show up around 7. Rehearsal begins at 7.30. We'll go till about 9. We maybe have an hour, an hour and a half off to eat breakfast, get in uniform, make sure our hair is pulled back, you know, all the uniform protocol we have. Then we'll meet on Adams Field around 10.30, about an hour and a half prior to kickoff. We warm up as a full band, which is treated almost like a performance. There's fans there watching. Mm -hmm. Then we march to the stadium, uh, get there probably about 45 minutes prior to kickoff, and we kick step out of the tunnel with 20 (laughs) minutes to go. So it's just intense. And I mean, when you're even when you guys are walking to the stadium, you have a crowd with you the entire way, too. As oh, well. yeah. Tons of people on the street, but it's great. So, I mean, and you've been up at that point for like five or six hours. So I bet you're exhausted even before you get to the stadium. Yeah, but it's nice. Once we get there, we have about 20 minutes to regroup. We get some water. We get a little pep talk from our directors. We sing the alma mater together. Mm-hmm. And then we get ready, you know, for a real game yeah. day. Yeah, that's great. And so when you came to Michigan State, were you a big football fan or has being in the band made you a big football fan or I I um I grew up watching football, but you know, when I was growing up Michigan State wasn't all that great. However, <laughs> we got here in the Kirk Cousins era, um, and really had started having a lot of success with success with Coach D'Antonio. So um since being in the band I have become a huge Spartan football mm. like fanatic. That's great. That's really cool. And besides that, games, um, where else could we see you this year? 
you guys perform anywhere else as the Spartan Marching Band, or is it just at games? We are performing. There is uh, an SMB for Kids benefit concert oh. um, that is hosted, um, and we partner up with some local charities. So we play at a benefit concert. We also have a concert um, on November 2nd called Spartan Spectacular mm-hmm. that's put on by the College of Music. It's like a collage concert with all different ensembles from the College of Music, and then we end the show with Spartan Marching Band performance. Very cool. And so uh, before we go, just um, can you tell us about your, your favorite experience that you've had while, while being in the Spartan Marching Band? I think my favorite experience has been this year, um, getting to be the president this preseason, uh, really getting to know all the freshmen and, and being responsible for bringing them into the band. You know, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see them get to know the band and the culture and the people and fall in love with it just the way I did. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys so much. I got to tell you, I mean, at the games, you guys hype everyone up and get everyone excited. So it is always great having you there. So I do want to thank you so much for talking with us, Becky, that we've been talking with Becky Buran, who is the president of the Spartan Marching Band here at Michigan State. So again, thanks so much. Thank you. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights at 10 p.m., get ready for The Mechanical Pulse, where we're spinning all the house, trance, drum and bass, electro, ambient, and remixed music you need to get the weekend started. You'll hear live interviews and DJs spinning straight from the Impact Studios and the best new music on the scene. So tune in every Friday night at 10 p.m. for Mechanical Pulse. Only on 88.9 The Impact. Have you ever considered donating your blood? If not, perhaps you might reconsider. By the time this announcement is through, 15 new people will need blood. In fact, blood is needed by one in every 10 hospital patients, and there is almost always a shortage. There is no substitute for human blood. It cannot be manufactured. It can only come from those willing to donate. To learn more or make an appointment, visit redcrossblood.org. Reconsider blood donation. It's about life. Now back to Impact Exposure. You're listening to WDBM Impact 89 FM, and this is Exposure. If you've gone to a movie on campus, gone to something like U-Fest, or some of the other events on campus, then you've probably seen the University Activities Board's work firsthand. The Human Resource Director, Mark Reed, came to the studio to help break down what this organization is all about. Okay, first uh, I wanted to say thank you for having me. Um, It's awesome to get a chance to talk about UAB a little bit with everyone. Um, But I am a human resources management uh, major, and I'm also doing an additional in psychology. Um, So this is my third year here at MSU. I'll be a junior this year. Really, I first heard about UAB or the University Activities Board um, when I was an incoming freshman at um, the academic orientation program. And I met one of the direct, the current directors then, and I was talking with her a little bit, and I was like, wow, this sounds like an awesome organization. I'd really like to get involved in this. And then um, later on, I saw them again at Spartacipation. At Spartacipation, I found out more, and then I just started coming to all the weekly meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, UAB was meeting every Tuesday um, at the time, and we're still doing that now. Um, but yeah, I just started going to meetings and then I tried out my first event. I was like really nervous to go help at an event. Like I didn't really have a, a whole lot of friends coming into MSU. So UAB was really just, 
I was hoping it would be a way for me to get to know more people, make some friends, get involved, and really start to find my niche on mm-hmm. campus, which is absolutely what it has done for me. Mm-hmm. So. so that's what attracted you to the organization is just the kind of experience that it gives you, the ability to meet new people and that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I had tried a few other meetings um, with some other organizations, and I just really felt connected with UAB. It was high energy. They welcomed, welcomed everyone um, to the organization. It was just a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. So, And um, the organization itself, just to get a little bit of background, do you know anything about the history of UAB? Yeah. Um, the University Activities Board is actually the oldest um, organization on campus. They started back in 1916. Um, so we're actually coming up on our 100th anniversary um, in the spring of 2016. So that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's a really old and longstanding organization. Um, I'm trying to think of some other historical little pieces. It used to actually be the Union Activities Board, um, and it was a partnership between that and Campus um, Center Cinemas. And then the two kind of merged and became the University Activities Board. And I think that was back in, like, 2000. So, um, And what do you see as the major goals of the organization? Is it just putting on events for the students, or what, how, how does the engagement work? Yeah, I mean, what we do is put on the events. Um, really, our sole purpose is to really help to create that Spartan experience. So just giving things that people can remember about um, – being a Spartan. So whether it be going to a concert or going to movies on the weekend or seeing a comedian, um, just like creating some really outstanding experiences and memories for students so that people can feel more engaged. And that also helps with creating relationships and friendships and um, just really developing the MSU community. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm sure during the next few weeks, you guys are going to be very busy yes, <laughs> welcoming absolutely. everyone back to campus. Yeah. And I know for us, uh, freshman engagement is really important, um, and I'm sure it is for you guys. So is there any events or anything you have coming up specifically for those incoming freshmen? Yep. On Tuesday, um, September 2nd at 7 p.m. in the MSU Union, Room 50, we're having our first weekly meeting. So we'll really be kicking off the year. We'll have, like, punch and cookies, like, get to know UAB um, sort of thing, and that will be a lot of fun. And definitely all freshmen, um, all undergraduate students are welcome to come to that. Um, And then that weekend, so on the 5th and the 6th, we have two really awesome events that we're super excited about. Um, One is going to be on Friday night, which is September 5th. It's going to be an outdoor movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's going to be really cool. Um, We're showing the movie Neighbors, which we um, had an advanced screening of last year. Um, It was super popular. It's a super funny movie. But we'll have, like, popcorn and candy and stuff like that. And it'll be on um, Demonstration Field. So um, it'll be, like, late. The stars will be out, hopefully, good weather, stuff like that. Um, So hopefully that will be a really cool experience for everyone. And then um, the following day, so September 6th, we're having the Spartan football experience. So we're going to have um, another like really big um, outdoor movie screen, and we're going to be showing the Rose Bowl um, while we're also having a flag football tournament. Very so that'll cool. be super fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, looking farther down the year, are there any events that you guys already have planned that you're super excited for before the end of the year or even next semester? Yeah. Um, we've got a, a few events um, already planned Um, things like homecoming week we're working on those events Um, so I believe that's at the end of September if Mm -hmm. I'm correct um, for homecoming and we'll also have little sibs weekend in February Mm -hmm. which is where everyone can bring their siblings to campus Um, so that'll be really fun too 
Um, but thinking long term, I mean, we do things almost every Friday and Saturday night. Um, and then this year on Tuesday nights, we're going to be having open mic nights um, inside the MSU Union. And we'll also have craft nights every other Wednesday. Um, people really love to go to those, just all kinds of different crafts. Um, so, yeah. And we'll also have Campus Center Cinemas, which will be every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Mm. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of events coming up. Yeah, I mean, we we do anywhere between like three and 400 events wow. each year. So we're super busy, but we just like to have a lot of things for people to do. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um, and then one more time before we go, um, just for anyone who's interested in getting involved, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Um, so like I said, we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. in the MSU Union in room 50, which is in the lower level. Um, so if you're interested in getting involved, we welcome anyone at any time. Um, we have a really easy application that people fill out, but there's no membership fees or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You just come to meetings and events. Um, and you can definitely always check us out on like our website, www.uabevents.com. We also have our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash UAB at MSU. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram. So you can always check us out there. Um, and we're at UAB at MSU. So at UAB at MSU. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can check us out on there. We always post links and stuff like that about our events. So you can always check us out online. Awesome. So um, thank you so much for being with us. We've been talking with Mark Reed, who is the Human Resources Director and Chairperson for the University Activities Board here at MSU. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for having me.
You're listening to WDBM Impact 89FM, and this is Exposure. I'm your host, Stephen Rich. Last week, we got the chance to sit down with the president of the Associated Students of MSU, or ASMSU, James Conwell, and we'll hear that story in about 15 minutes. But right now, the LGBT Resource Center of MSU got a large million-dollar donation over the summer that brought the center to many headlines across the state. And earlier this summer, we got the chance to sit down with director Deanna Hurlbert to discuss what this meant for the center and, more generally, how the center is supporting students. The Resource Center exists to help assure that all students have a fantastic Michigan State experience. A big part of what we do is helping to prepare students to thrive in a world that's diverse and often diverse in ways that they're not prepared uh, for when they come to campus. Issues of sexual diversity and gender-related diversity are things that folks coming out of high school generally aren't uh, ready to tackle, um, don't have the opportunity, rather, to explore and learn about in high school. So we help to bridge that gap so that people are better prepared to work in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's not just for LGBT students. It's for all students to kind of have a community where Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. accepting. Got it. And so when did you personally get involved with the center? Have you been there since the beginning of it? Well, ironically, I was actually involved in the center to a certain extent before it even existed. (laughs) I was a student here at Michigan State from 1990 to 1994, and I came out in 92, and I was a student activist and advocate who helped to uh, work with the university to establish a position dedicated to serving students who were marginalized by their sexual orientation Mm -hmm. and gender identity. So as a student here in 1994, uh, in conjunction with a handful of other students who were out at the time, uh, we were involved in selecting Brent Billadou as the first uh, uh, program coordinator for lesbian and gay concerns. Mm -hmm. Brent Billadou went on to become the director of the LBGT Resource Center, I went on to have a career in public health and education and then ultimately found myself back here at Michigan State as the assistant director in 2008. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I think it's a, a, a beautiful turn of events <laughs> that uh, my vision as a student has become uh, my career and passion at this stage of my life. Mm. And so when, when did the center get its official start date? When did the Resource Center officially start at MSU? We had a first staff person in 95. Mm-hmm. The physical resource center, there was an office dedicated um, without really a functional space. It was literally just a, a desk space and not really anything that students could uh, could spend time in other than meeting with staff. Uh, it would have been 2006. Mm-hmm. And then we've been in the current state, uh, s- space, which is much more functional since 2010. Mm. And so I don't want to compare to other universities because obviously every university is very different. But one thing I did notice is that University of Michigan had an LGBT resource center since the 1970s. Do you think that was a sign that we've been lagging behind in LGBT support and education? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, the establishment of the physical center, um, you know, it's a significant gesture. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Having that physical space and that commitment. Uh, Michigan has had the good fortune of having uh, strong donors who've who helped to establish that original center. Um, and, uh, of course, you have to have the institutional commitment there, even if you have donors and the funding in place. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that the University of Michigan has uh, a better institutional support for LBGT folks at this point in time. But they do have the privilege of being nested in Ann Arbor, <laughs> which is uh, a little bit more of a cosmopolitan environment, mm-hmm. um, which adds to uh, the reputation of the University of Michigan as being an LBGT-friendly face space. But uh, Michigan State University actually has a really strong legacy of LBGT support. 
um, based on the leadership of students, rather. Um, student leadership here has pulled the university along into its progressive place. So, for instance, East Lansing has the first civil rights ordinance in the country uh, to protect people based on their sexual orientation, and that was from the early 70s. That was done by students. So any progress that the university has made, whether it's about uh, adding sexual orientation or gender identity to our anti-discrimination policy or about having options for flexible housing where in which people can live with whomever they would choose, uh, uh, any, all of those efforts have ultimately been led by students and then uh, accommodated, accepted by the university. And I think that brings up a good question. Do you think that the university has given enough support to LGBT issues? Um, or is there any, any role that you would like to see them fill moving forward? Yeah, I think that um, institutionally for Michigan State University, I think student affairs and services in general, um, my, my impression is that we're less funded and staffed than our other institutions. Mm-hmm. So I feel that um, we've we've been very creative in the LBGT Resource Center. Uh, we've had the, the good fortune of being able to regain another full-time staff. We're almost back to the staffing levels that we had before the ECOPLIPS. <laughs> um, so we're almost back to the staffing levels that we were at in 2008 when I came here. Um, but I think in general... Um, it's hard for me to complain about resources for the LBGT Resource Center when I see, you know, our counseling center is staffed at uh, probably, I, I think the staffing level is about half of what it would be at a comparable institution. Mm. Um, and uh, same thing for support from another other parts of critical services and student affairs. So it's it's hard for me to complain. <laughs> With a lot of student services, there's not really the controversy that surrounds LGBT issues. With some people, they do view it still as a controversial issue. How do you communicate with these people who, um, you know, may may be considered to oppose your work? Sure. No, it's it's a great question. I think um, that uh, the work of our office is about helping people understand issues around sexual orientation and gender identity. And the stance I take is that, uh, depending on the context, is that uh, folks are perfectly allowed to have uh, a different moral perspectives. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I personally, and, and in the work that we do, um, our work is not to challenge someone's religious beliefs or their moral prerogative. Our perspective is to hold people accountable to the obligations of their employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the, uh, what is the, the culture and the expectations as a part of being a medical provider? Are your, for instance, are your personal ethics in conflict with your professional ethics? And so part of my work is helping people sort that out so that they can find uh, peace for themselves moving forward. Mm-hmm. And earlier you brought up um, talking about students and a lot of the uh, kind of student-driven efforts here. But one of the, the other efforts towards ed- education at the university has been the specialization in LGBT studies. And you were telling me earlier that um, you helped kind of get that ball rolling to get that specialization, specialization started? Well, really, again, it was the students who initiated oh. it, right? Um, and uh, through ASMSU, a group called the what's now known as the Alliance of Queer and Allied Students. And there have been initiatives, uh, both on the part of faculty and uh, students, uh, undergraduate as well as graduate students, to have a named program around issues of sexuality and gender, uh, particularly LBGT studies or queer studies mm-hmm. as a discipline. Um, and uh, this is something... 
uh, having this area of scholarship available is something that's going to draw students to Michigan State. It's going to keep them to Michigan State at Michigan State. There's a huge demand for this area of scholarship that Michigan State, I believe, is not necessarily lagging behind in terms of scholarship. There are a number of faculty, a very large number of faculty in courses that talk about relative content. Well, what we haven't had um, is uh, uh, a structure to allow it to be a an academic discipline that would be recorded on someone's transcript and in a way that would help people to pursue careers and further education in uh, things regarding sexual orientation and gender identity. So the Jensen is the home to the the specialization. The Jensen is under the College of Arts is within the College of Arts and Letters as an administrative home. Um, but Michigan State has a number of outstanding faculty uh, working on these issues. It's also become obvious that in order to attract and retain faculty who have issue who have, do research in areas of sexual orientation and gender identity, um, it makes a strong has a strong impact on folks when they're looking to come here and establish scholarly careers uh, if their scholarship isn't supported here. Mm-hmm. So um, this will allow us to attract and to retain faculty. Mm-hmm. And so um, obviously the big news for you guys at the LGBT Center is that you um, you recently had a very large donation, a million-dollar gift. Um, so first of all, i, I got to say it must feel incredible to know that you have that kind of support, right? Oh, it absolutely does. And really, you know, for the – I mean, uh, when it <laughs> – a million dollars is a lot of money, mm-hmm. and that gets a lot of people's attention. But there are a few things that are it's really important for me to state, and that is that gifts are always relative, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for one family, a gift of a million dollars is really is very significant. For another family, uh, a gift of five hundred dollars would be a really significant gift for that family. We have students of alums who uh, are right out of college. They're making under $30,000 a year, and they're committed to gifts to the Resource Center of $25 a month. Mm -hmm. That is a big deal. $25 a month when you're right out of college is a lot of money. (laughs) I don't think I could even do that right now. I I certainly don't want to demean a gift of a million dollars, but it's a great opportunity to talk uh, talk about the work that we do and the power of having funds available to support the work. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a bequest, so that means that the funds don't actually become payable until the donors pass away. Mm-hmm. And luckily for them, as well as for us, because they're wonderful folks, uh, uh, they're uh, vibrant, uh, healthy, and uh, expect them to be with us for uh, uh, a long, long time. <laughs> well, then hopefully you guys don't see that gift for a while. Yeah. But you do bring up a good point that um, – it's it's more the relative. So do you have a lot of students coming back to you guys who have used you when they were here to come back and give gifts when they've graduated? Do you see a lot of that? More so in recent history when we've had the physical center and staff to connect with students. Uh, when we've gone through periods of time and we didn't necessarily have the staff to make those kind of personal relationships with students, it's a little bit hard. It was a little bit harder. Most of the the more significant, the larger monetary gifts that we're getting are coming from people who uh, were students here uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. as well as former faculty and staff of the university. And so now this is just kind of a – or it's more of a place where they can focus it now rather than before there wasn't really a, an area where they could give money to support Yeah, there this. wasn't really – this wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was not a thing. And so um, with this gift, one thing that you, you've talked about in a couple of publications is um, starting the Support Outreach Action and Respect Fund. 
And like the name suggests, you guys have four major areas or you have four major areas of focus. So I was wondering if you could um, just kind of dive into each one and tell us what what that fund is looking forward to uh, achieving. So SOAR, that language and the concept of it is the language and the creation of the donors as a part of their gift. Um, And that was evolved out of uh, conversations that we had with them um, about uh, what the future of the work will look like and the increasingly sophisticated needs of students. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's lo- loosely enough defined as uh, around outreach, uh, advocacy, empowerment kinds of work so that uh, um, that we can meet the needs of the students at any point in time. Again, visioning that this is funding that's not likely to come available mm-hmm. for yeah, you know, let's say thirty years. Mm-hmm. And then before we go, um, what do you hope that the future of LGBT support and education looks like at MSU? You know, ten or twenty years in the future. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think the future of the work is doing more education and facilitating more conversation and support regarding sexuality and the diversity of sexuality and sexual experience, um, as well as increasing. Uh, complexity of gender identity and gender expression. So lesbian, bisexual, gay persons, as well as transgender persons and genderqueer persons are always going to have, uh, are always going to have uh, some unique support needs for community. There's a long legacy of, of, uh, of stigma and shame uh, to be, uh, that's, that's not going to go any anytime soon. I think emerging issues in the work uh, like I do, is also looking at the more complex, nuanced uh, experience of sexuality for all students. Um, so I see emerging issues around. It, it's quite it's it's complex stuff, but we have more and more students who are coming in who are to you know, to the university who are uh, in open relationships or in polyamorous relationships, or who are um, may have sexual partners of. Um, a variety of gender identities and expressions, but for themselves identify as being as being heterosexual. Um, so the this the nature of sexuality, intimacy, whether or not, and ways in which people engage sexually uh, for younger people is is uh, it's more complex now mm-hmm. than it has been, and we have a long way to go to catch up institutionally, both at Michigan State as well as public education, public health in general. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Um, We've been talking with Diana Hurlbert, who is the uh, director of the LGBT Resource Center at MSU. And their website is um, lgbtrc.msu.edu. So thank you very much for being with us. Thank you.
This is WDBM Impact 89FM, and you are listening to Exposure with me, your host, Stephen Rich. The Associated Students of MSU, or ASMSU, works as the government for students at the university. With operations ranging from advocacy to providing blue books and eye clickers for students, it's hard to fully understand what the organization does. So President James Conwell came to the studio to help explain. Um, so just to get things started, let's hear a little bit about you. What year are you? What's your major? Just an info like that. Sure. Uh, well, like you said, my name is James Conwell. I'm the president of ASMSU, uh, which is Michigan State University's undergraduate student government. Um, a little bit about me is I'm a senior this year, human biology major from Lyman Briggs College. Uh, grew up in Brighton, Michigan, came to Michigan State uh, as a freshman in 2011, and uh, planning on graduating in May of this year, or very, of 2015. Very cool. So how did you first get involved with ASMSU? Well, it's uh, something I always kind of wanted to look into. Um, even before I was a freshman between senior year of high school and uh, freshman year of college, I started looking into different ways to get involved at Michigan State, and I noticed ASMSU's website. Mm-hmm. So I went to participation and uh, kind of talked with them for a bit. For the time, um, I just didn't get involved until April of that year, and uh, I ran for a representative seat at that point to represent Lyman Briggs College. It was the first uh, competitive election in Lyman Briggs in uh, – for as long as anyone else could remember, which is funny. <laughs> was so, it just you and someone else? Uh, it was me. So it was actually three people. Wow, that was, that so was, was a first, big one. Yeah, it was a big one. <laughs> and That's... and so uh, I just kept uh, running for uh, re-election, and uh, I served two terms as representative, mm-hmm. uh, one re-election for the third time, but uh, ran for president instead. Gotcha. So besides being president, the other thing you've done is be the representative for Lyman Briggs. Right. So I was a representative from Lyman Briggs uh, to ASMSU. Uh-huh. I, uh, in addition to that, I was the chairman of finance committee during the 49th session of ASMSU and then the chairman of the academic affairs committee for the 50th session. And with those roles, um, I got to, a lot of hand in making the budget for the different years. I got a hand in uh, going to the academic, academic governance um, committees for the university. So uh, university curriculum on undergraduate education, um, where we discuss different programs to help students uh, learn better, how, what is a better value for education, things like that. And so uh, I got a real chance to be involved through those two uh, roles I played in ASMSU. Okay. And like you mentioned, you were elected president uh, at the beginning of the summer. You're, you you stepped into your role as president at the beginning of the summer, correct? Right. And um, so what have you been working on since then? What have you been doing over the summer? Uh, it's been a pretty busy summer. Um, a lot of it was planning and uh, getting things ready for this year. So making sure we had all the staffing available, making sure that uh, a lot of the different, um, I guess, pieces of the ASMSU machine were in place and ready to go for this year. And so that included uh, setting goals for this year. So uh, working on making MSU a healthier campus, working on mental health awareness and resources on campus, Um, finding a definitive answer to uh, bike share uh, those were a lot of the things that we worked on goal-wise. Um, we did some traveling, too. Actually, um, about a couple of weeks ago, we went to Lincoln, Nebraska, for the Association of Big Ten Schools Conference, which uh, all 14 of the Big Ten schools, <laughs> which is funny that there's 14 Big Ten schools, <laughs> uh, showed up, and uh, we talked about our plans for the year. We got to talk about um, working with the different administrations uh, in our universities as well as with uh, the state and local governments that we work with uh, daily. And it's it's it was really cool to get a perspective um, that was not Michigan or Michigan State, and it was really nice to uh, learn about uh, new takes on ideas that we've had. Mm-hmm. So it always seems like you know everyone's got you know 
a plan for bike share. Everyone's got a plan for mental health. But uh, it was nice to hear what's Maryland's plan. You know, what's Iowa's plan? Mm-hmm. It's those type of things that are important to learn. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it was a lot of like trading tips and tricks and d- just different sort of things that you learn at your own community that maybe you guys can adapt here or they can adapt there, that sort of thing. Right. That was definitely part of it. Um, and there were also workshops that had uh, people from Nebraska, the University of Nebraska, uh, come and give uh, more or less workshops on being more of a green community. So mm-hmm. what kind of programs have uh, worked in the past or not people. There was a guy named uh, Andy McCracken, who's the director of the National Campus Leadership Council, came and uh, talked to us a bit about uh, advocacy within our own um, group. So how can we band together and make a big difference on federal and state issues uh, together? So that was, it was a lot of organizing and learning in addition to the trading secrets. And so now that we know some of your, your goals for the future, let's take a step back and kind of look at the overall goals for ASMSU and what sort of things you guys have done in the past. So just starting kind of broad, what is the main goal of AMSU, ASMSU? <laughs> Let's skip that that first S. <laughs> it's going to be to get people to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. It oh, really I know. <laughs> Everyone does it. Uh, I used to do it too. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I joke when I say that, but I think a big goal is to get people involved with ASMSU. Um, Right now, I think that uh, there are a lot of people who know who we are, but I think there's an even larger number of people who don't know what we do. Mm. Um, so it's going to be combating uh, more or less ignorance of the student government. Um, it's We have to stop having the method where we think that people will come to us. Uh, that's proven it's not going to work, um, especially not with uh, such a involved and in, uh, technology-advanced group that we're seeing come in. And so where it's clear we're going to have to go to students, we're going to have to go to them on Facebook, Twitter, social media. We're going to have to go to them on campus instead of saying, here is a uh, town hall we're having. Please come to it. We're going to say, okay, we're going to come to individual students. We're going to go talk to our constituents. I think the, that's the important uh, difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's going to be communicating uh, issues that are important to them. And so what matters to students? Um, I've got... Mental health is a big priority of mine this year, working on awareness as well as resources. Uh, over half of all MSU students have experienced um, overwhelming anxiety. Mm-hmm. Actually, 85% have experienced overwhelming anxiety in the past year. Wow. Um, we've got half of the students having uh, experienced depression by the age of 24. And so these are important stats that students um, either feel disconnected from campus, they feel depressed, they, they're have anxiety. They don't know why, and they don't know what resources are on campus available for them to do that. So it's going to be communicating to students. It's okay. Here's the mental health issue we have on campus. And we're going to have to figure out a way to uh, make sure that you're able to get to the counseling center and get the help that you need. Mm -hmm. So it's really two parts. One, make sure that students know that there's somewhere to go and that uh, if they have an issue, they can go. But two, it's make sure that once they go there, there's going to be the resources for them. So it's going to be investigating um, programs to see if we have counselors for international students um, to help address their needs in a specific way um, because they're, the issues that international students face on campus um, integrating to a new community aren't necessarily the same that a student from southeast Michigan would face. Mm-hmm. And so it's having counselors for that. It's having financial counselors to deal with financial stress, having people um, feel more connected to campus that are connected to their Facebook So we have a lot of students who have a lot of friends on Facebook, not a lot of friends in person. So how do we make sure that students feel more connected? In fact, um, actually half of all students who went to the Counseling Center credit that for helping them stay at MSU. And uh, two-thirds of those students actually would say 
that improve their academic performance by going to the counseling center. So those are the important things we need to communicate and make sure students can get access to. Mm-hmm. And obviously, um, you guys at ASMSU do a ton of different things. And so, I, again, like I said, I would just want to break down each part. You might have mentioned some of these, but just to kind of go back and, and um, you know, rehash them, just to understand uh, more wholly of your, you, a lot of the things you do. And one of the things that I saw on your website that kind of grabbed my attention was you guys saying you're enhancing our student experience through education, empowerment, and advocacy. Can we break down each of those sections, how you're working in each of these areas to help make our student experience better, starting with like education? What sort of things are you guys working on within education itself? Awesome. Uh, so I mentioned the uh, academic governance um, committees mm-hmm. earlier. So we actually have a third of all the governing seats um, on university council, which is the decision-making body for the university under the board of trustees. Wow. And uh, the committees are a part of those. And so we enhance the undergraduate student education ex- educational experience by having representatives to those, whether they be ASMSU representatives or people on beha- uh, students on behalf of ASMSU go to those uh, meetings. And so it's working on things like um, grief absence policy. So if you have a death in your family or someone close to you dies, you'll be able to then uh, miss class with no penalty. So those are things we're working on. Um, it's mid-semester evaluation. So what formative feedback can we give to professors to make sure that what we're learning in the class and how it's being the material is being presented is effective in the best um, use of class time as well as how can we help students learn better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's um, I guess the advocacy part is part of that too. So it's advocating for these programs and uh, learning about these different committees and how we can help enhance the educational experience with students um, by impacting what students are actually learning and the policies that uh, affect them in the classroom. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And another um, thing I wanted to talk about, you mentioned it, or you mentioned working a little bit with the administration right now. Mm-hmm. You have a third of the seat on the university council. Yes. Um, how? What other ways are you guys working directly with our administration? Right. Um, so I meet with, uh, you know, Dr. Maybank or Dr. Shaw, who are the vice president for student uh, services, uh, pretty regularly. Uh, you know, I uh, we meet with uh, we're representative on the board of trustees, and we work with all kinds of issues. Um, you know, it's it's better for us to work together. We can accomplish many things um, when we do that. And so it's it's not just one individual project. It's all of our projects. Mm-hmm. We have to meet with someone from administration because anything that touches students uh, is ultimately governed by someone, an administrator within the university. And so we have to go to the administrator uh, within that department to say, here's an issue that's important to my constituents. How can we work on it? Mm-hmm. And are they generally pretty – they want to work with you guys mm-hmm. pretty often? Good yep. Hear. Everyone's on board for making Michigan State a better place to go mm-hmm. to school. Great to hear. And so now students are obviously coming back. Um, so what are some goals or what are some events that you guys are doing in the next few weeks to help, like you said, come to students and engage them where they are? Right. Well, the big one uh, is obviously participation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be happening on the 27th uh, of August. And beyond that, or I'm sorry, the 26th of August. Yep, which will actually be after. <laughs> which will be after this air. Well, right now, right before this air. So hope you had fun. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> um, beyond that, uh, we have our ASMSU tailgate, um, which all students are welcome to. There will be a DJ there and a lot of great prizes for students mm-hmm. to show up. Um, and we'll also be reaching out to students uh, online about the tailgate. Uh, and it's it's really then getting our marketing teams and uh, ready to go out to students and say, here's what's available to them. And is that tailgate during the first game, the Jacksonville State-Michigan State game? It will be during that game and actually every home game after that. Gotcha. gotcha. Yep, uh, we have a tailgate at every home game. Uh, actually, it starts uh, three hours before mm. uh, kickoff, 
and so everyone is welcome uh you know there'll be a lot of fun you know, dj like i said and uh no shortage of students so that'll be great <laughs> yeah uh and beyond that we have representatives going to the college colloquiums uh which for example like lyman briggs i went to last year uh, is a place where the freshman students go to f- learn about the resources within their own college. Mm-hmm. And our representatives to ASMSU from those colleges will be at those resource fairs, directly reaching out to students saying, here's what ASMSU can do for you. Here are the services we provide. If they have any questions, then uh, they'll be there to ask them. The representatives are the front line of ASMSU to reach out to their constituents because ultimately it's the representatives who represent the students. Mm-hmm. And are there any uh, sorts of programs um, that are specifically geared towards freshmen or people who are new to campus that you guys are hosting over the next few weeks? Well, um, in terms of services we offer, uh, a lot of the things we have are uh, directed towards first-year students or first-year college students. And so we have things like iClickers or Blue Books that we uh, hand out to students, and very often we find out that those are first-year students. Gotcha. Um, and beyond the engagement at the colloquiums, I mean, we've got uh, – we're going to have uh, street teams out on ASMSU uh, going out and handing out information and uh, making people aware of what we're doing too. Gotcha. And uh, before we go, I just wanted to talk about a couple of the campaigns that you guys have worked on in the past and um, how successful some of them have been. Um, one of the first ones that I think everyone at State is probably familiar with because it was all over campus is the What Would Sparty Do campaign. Definitely. Do you want to uh, explain what you guys – um, had in mind with that, how successful you've been with that, and if there's any plans for the future with that? Definitely. Um, what would Sparty do uh, was is a reflection of a how to be a Michigan State University student, how to be a Michigan State Spartan. And so it's, uh, it's a social norms campaign directed towards um, what is uh, good class behavior, what is good behavior, what are, what are good celebrations, or... Uh, what? How do you want to represent your school? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for us as undergraduate students to realize that the actions we take um, and the decisions we make impact the degrees of not just ourselves but others. And so what would Sparty do is designed for students to get the most out of their educational degree. And so when we go back to our mission, it's uh, how can we enhance undergraduate experience and how can we make sure that you get the best value for education here at Michigan State University. We have students. Um, representing Michigan State University in an employer or a conference and someone goes, wow, that student is from Michigan State University, that ultimately raises the value of our degree. Mm-hmm. And so when we have social norms campaign designed about uh, making people res- making sure people respect, uh, or I'm sorry, understand the Spartan values of uh, sportsmanship, uh, helping out other Spartans, and uh, being diligent and smart with your work, but also having a broad um, perspective on the world, those are the type of Spartan values we want to reflect through that campaign. And so that's when we had that all around campus and we have um, students saying that that's what we mean by what would Sparty do. And uh, just looking at another uh, service here, you guys have had one of your many. <laughs> but um, you have talked on your website about um, some of the government affairs work that you've had, um, you know, making sure that tuition costs are staying down, um, keeping Stafford loan rates down as well. Mm-hmm. What will you be working on in the future to continue this type of work? Well, the big thing is voter registration. Uh, you know, when we go to uh, we go to Washington D.C. every year with the rest of the Big Ten schools to go uh, lobby to congressmen about issues that are important to uh, Big Ten students and us specifically, Michigan State University students. And so, when we go to those uh, meetings with congressional uh, members or senators, um, 
many of them understand the importance of our of uh, working with students and student issues. But I think the one thing that we need to do as undergraduate students is vote. Uh, it's something that historically drops off in off-year elections. And this is in Michigan in 2014. This is arguably one of the more important elections. So in number, November, we have uh, a vacant Senate seat, which we haven't had in years. Um, Senator Levin is stepping down. Mm-hmm. We've got a gubernatorial election, uh, a Michigan 8th Congressional District, which represents this area. Uh, that's the first time in uh, about four or five legislative terms that it's open. And so when we have these types of seats open, if students voted, then we had a, would have a greater impact every April when we went to Washington, D.C., because the, those congressional, that congressional delegation will listen to us. So our, goal, our big goal coming out of Gov Affairs this year is for students to vote. It's mm-hmm. to work on voter registration, going door-to-door, communicating directly with students, under, having them understand what's important to us, or I'm sorry, what's important to the election, and how to register to vote. And then making sure once they are registered to vote, do they know where they can vote and how do they get there? Mm-hmm. So our goal is to have more students out to vote. Um, it's to have a pretty big increase in the percentage of students that do vote in off-year elections. Um, because ultimately, you know, we hear all the time students concerned about, you know, I, my parents live in a different city or uh, there are always concerns or rumors made up. Um, for example, the big one we had to combat a couple of years ago was Students afraid they would lose their health insurance if they registered to vote in a district outside of their parents' mm-hmm. district. And so it's combating those types of uh, rumors that are not true about uh, registering to vote somewhere else, communica- communicating to students why it's important to vote in this district where you live, mm-hmm. and then actually having the vote. Gotcha. Um, and uh, we are, for this show, kind of um, setting it up for new students, uh, which we've talked about a lot today. <laughs> uh, but just um, before kind of our outro and just unpacking everything if there's service what are what do you think are the biggest services you want to make sure those who are new to campus are aware of that you guys are providing definitely um i think uh the most important things we offer uh are um legal services uh all undergraduate students if you're a taxpaying member of asmsu have access to uh three lawyers on retainer uh through asmsu they will uh, help you with any legal questions concerns you may have uh, for example, if you're a first-year student signing a lease off campus, um, especially so early with how uh, pushed up uh, leasing is, mm-hmm. um, if you're looking to that, the lawyers will be able to help you look through your contract. Um, iClickers and Blue Books, that's a great way to save money um, as a, a first-year student here at Michigan State University. You can come to us and check one out, um, an iClicker, or you can take a Blue Book. And so those are types of things that services we offer. And probably more importantly, uh, we have Freshman Class Council, which is designed for first-year students to get involved with ASMSU. And so they can be involved, they can learn about the projects we're working on, and put their foot in the door to uh, really expand their horizons and get the most out of their Spartan education they can. And uh, really, I think that's the most important part, uh, service we offer, so to speak, is students actually being involved. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a first-year student, uh, it's really important that you can come to our, uh, you know you can come to our offices on the third floor of student services uh, talk with um, anyone who's there about uh, getting involved with ASMSU. You can work on the freshman class council. Um, if you're an, if you're looking to be an intern, uh, we have internships that we're going to be starting for uh, the different uh, departments of ASMSU. And so 
really getting involved and getting the most out of your educational experience through ASMSU is our most important service we offer. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we go, I did just want to ask just one question about kind of what your plan is, your personal spin on being a leader. Is Obviously, every single leader has their own personal style. And I assume, you know, you being a president, you have your own ideas of what you want to do this year. So just kind of generally speaking, what do you plan on doing differently? Uh, as a leader? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. It's pretty <laughs> well, good. good. <laughs> um, I don't know that uh, it would be doing it differently, but I think uh, listening to ideas mm-hmm. um, and not making decisions all on your own, uh, right? So anything important, it's worth having more than one person in the room. It's more. It's it's important to listen to more than just one voice, and uh, it's two heads are always better than one. And so what I mean by that is I think that as a leader, it's your job to obviously make a decision, but you have a lot of people around you who want the best for organization, and they may have a different perspective or idea on an issue that you didn't think of, whether it be your background because of your background or just because of how you're thinking about an issue. Mm -hmm. And so it's always important to have more perspectives and uh, more people involved with it. I think that's, um, I think that's kind of what being a leader is about is realizing that you may not have the best idea mm-hmm. and be willing to ask for help on something. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely some great words. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> we're really excited to uh, see what you guys are doing this year. I want to thank you so much for being with us. But we've been talking with uh, James Conwell, who is the president of ASMSU here at Michigan State. You can find more information on them on the web at asmsu.msu.edu or on the third floor of the Student Services Building, correct? That's correct. Awesome. So, again, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thank you. It was a lot of fun. joining us tonight. Special thanks to Station Manager Gabriela Saldivia and General Manager Ed Glazer, as well as all of our staff here at Impact 89 FM. 
Tonight's show and all other exposure shows can be found on our website at www.impact89fm.org. Keeping you informed as MSU's only student radio based right here in Holden Hall. We bid you farewell until next time. I've been your host, Stephen Rich, and you've been listening to Impact Exposure 89FM. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.